0: Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast by Georgia Organics. I'm Mary Elizabeth, Communications Manager at Georgia Organics. I'm excited to welcome you to today's episode. We're featuring two leading voices in the Georgia food, wellness, and farming space, Candace Dantes and Kiana Upton. Candace is an award-winning rural journalist and branding consultant. She's the media manager for the Black Farmers Network, and founder and editor of Southern Styles and Steeds. I'm also thrilled to share that Candace will be joining us on the host team here at the Atlanta Foodcast. Next, we spoke to Kiana Upton about her work through her platform Nourish in Black and the forthcoming physical space Nourish Botanica. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen and if you want to learn more about our guests, visit atlfoodcast.com. And to learn more about George Organics, visit georgeorganics.org. Enjoy the show. First up, I'm speaking with someone who I'm thrilled to welcome to the host team of the Atlanta Foodcast, Candace Dantes. Candace is an award-winning rural journalist who is the media manager for the Black Farmers Network and the founder and editor of Southern Styles and Steeds. We spoke today about her work and recent projects, like a student-driven docu-series on an incredible group of young black farmers in southwest Georgia. We also talked about her work as a branding and marketing consultant to farmers, which she'll expand on in her forthcoming segments. Finally, we talked about a couple of incredible people who she plans to bring to the show. Enjoy this introduction to Candace Dantes sitting down with someone who I have long admired and I'm excited to say is going to join the hosting team here at the Atlanta Foodcast, Candace Dantes. And Candace is an award-winning rural journalist. She's also the media manager for the Black Farmers Network. And Candace, I was realizing recently you were one of my last in-person coffee meetings before COVID. Virus, yes. <laughs> And it was a great one. And then it's been a a wild ride ever since of trying to connect, but here we are. Yes, we made it. We made it. Well, gosh, there's so much we could talk about. We literally just spent a long time catching up, but there's still more to talk about. Of
1: course, yes.
0: Um, tell, Tell folks a little bit about yourself, about the work that you do. I mean, you're a journalist, a media manager, a consultant. There's so much to your work, and I'm so excited for people to, to hear from you.
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up around storytellers, so I was privileged to um, grow up around my great-grandmother, my grandparents. I had great aunts, great uncles that all came to the family farm, and you would hear some of the Uh, most coolest stories of what was happening during their time in history. And so it was just natural when I got to college, I knew I wanted to go into journalism, I graduated from Georgia State University. And I've always loved the art of storytelling. And I I have like a, a old soul about me. So I used to love sitting around on the porch with my great grandmother Gigi. And just hearing those those stories from the past. And so it was just a natural fit. And so what I ended up doing was going into print journalism to kind of hone my writing craft. And I kind of hopped back and forth between Atlanta and rural Georgia, working for magazines and community newspapers, and kind of fell in love with small town USA all over again. And, and that's how I became award-winning, telling those stories of those people, places, and things um, that weren't often getting noticed in the media.
0: Yeah. It's one thing that most drew me to your work, because it's just so apparent that you have that crucial perspective, that you're from these communities, that you know what they're Yeah, what they're all about. Um,
1: What makes them tick, yeah.
0: What makes them tick, exactly, and so you are a lifelong Georgian with a long history, like like you're saying, long family history in Georgia. Tell us a little bit more about your background, kind of where you're from, um, and some places in rural Georgia that you end up spending a lot of time.
1: Okay, so yeah, I I actually grew up on a 300 plus acre farm. It was my great grandfather's. His name was Edward Dolly Hill. And my dad inherited the farm and it was at one point dairy and then it shifts to a beef operation. Mm -hmm. And when I arrived in the (laughs) eighties, all we did was uh, herd cows. Mm -hmm. I watched my daddy worm them. Um, sometimes we even you know fed the calves when the mom's going wow. to be bothered it was a really cool uh, childhood and so we kind of straddled um, farm life and rodeo life my mm. dad was an amateur calf roper we kind of uh, dabbed in um, barrel racing and when we wanted to see the pros we would head up to Atlanta Uh, to the Bill Pickett Invitational Rodeo. So we kind of enjoyed both sides of agriculture in that sense. And I I just love the land. I love riding horses. And these are things that we still do to this day.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's so cool. I don't think I had, um, I didn't realize that was also part of your growing up was, was the rodeo lifestyle. I love that contrast, you know, the the grit of of everyday farm life and then like and a little bit of the glam, yes. the glam. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly a little some rhinestones here and there yes <laughs> well you have I feel like every time I touch base with you you've got some really cool irons in the fire so many amazing projects
1: um, tell us a little bit about what you've been working on recently. Yeah, so a couple of years back, my mentor, Dr. Veronica Womack, who's now the executive director of the Rural Studies Institute at Georgia College, she called me because she uh, got a USDA um, mm-hmm. grant to document you know, the stories and help bring um, Black farmers of the Black Belt region um, into today's digital space so they can compete. And so she asked me to come on board. And so at first I came on as a writer, researcher, just going around the black belt, which is, you know, this this region between um, eastern, the eastern part of Texas to the Eastern shore of Virginia. And this is where we have a large concentration of black folk is where I came from, is where she came from. And so not only did she want me to tell the black farmer's story, um, we wanted to also help market and brand them because you know, in the black belt, we, we lack certain resources. We lack adequate healthcare and, the best education we could possibly get. And we also lack technology, broadband. It's just so many things our black belt farmers uh, don't have and we wanted to use Black Farmers Network. Uh, That's the name of the project. We wanted to use it as a platform to not only tell the, the Black farmers stories, but to help them market and brand their agribusinesses. So that's okay. primarily what I do now as a writer and a project man- manager is, is, is a lot. Uh, yeah. but it's necessary work.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm excited to link to Black Farmers Network and our show notes, and we can kind of talk about some of the links at the end. But it really does such an incredible job of, of you know, bringing these stories to the forefront, beautiful visuals, like we've talked about, you mm-hmm. your husband and- yes. It's stunning, and it is such a necessary perspective on the core of Georgia farmland and, and you know, the area of the Black Belt specifically. Right. Yeah. Um, I know that you have also had a really cool recent project with a farmer who's very tight with the Georgia Organics Network, said Roe, Roe Organic Farm. Um, tell us a little bit about that and and what and when folks can expect of that project?
1: Yeah, so Sid, you know, he has basically pioneered um, hemp Mm -hmm. here in Georgia for the African-American farmer. Um, He's the first I know in South Georgia to uh, get his license to grow hemp this Mm -hmm. year and he was very much successful. So, Um, he was the one who actually uh, approached, he's a part of Black Farmers Network, he's a member, and he approached me about, you know, hey, can we start documenting this journey? And, you know, me, of course. So, um, we're actually, you know, telling his story, his perspective of growing hemp in South Georgia, because, you know, the elements there uh, can be wild sometimes and uh, he managed to do well and with that we're also documenting farmers connected to him either Went to Fort Valley State University with him, his colleagues, or you know, friends that he grew up with. They're all kind of collaborating and working together to make their way and sustain in agriculture. Because unlike my situation, you know, I was born into agriculture and we inherited the land. Uh, these farmers are really cool because a few of them, you know, they're starting from scratch. And they're being very innovative with how uh, they approach agriculture.
0: Yeah. Uh, List off the farmers, because I remember thinking it was such a cool and interesting group. I think there were, was it
1: four? It's four. Yeah. So we have um, Cedric, of course, and then his best friend, Dontavious Jones. And his other friend is Lamario Brown. Uh, who we went to school with. And then we have Kenesha Miller. And the cool thing about uh, Kenesha and LaMario, they were just featured, uh, we got them featured in the Wall Street Journal. Black Farm Network has been a launch pad for these farmers to to make national news. So um, it's a really cool group to feature.
0: Yeah, well, I can't wait. Um, I think you were saying this summer might be when that... um, the project, the the docu-series that y'all worked on comes to fruition, right?
1: Yes, and the cool thing about it, we were able to uh, bring on, you know, Georgia College Department of Communication. We had a lot of student involvement on this project because we want them to also, you know, see the importance of the work um, that's happening in the Black Belt region. So Mm -hmm. I was very excited that we got uh, student involvement on this one.
0: Absolutely. I love that that was something that you mentioned earlier was important to you and Dr. Womack, because from my perspective, y'all are doing two crucial things, and that's documenting these people, like you're saying, like documenting the work of these Black formers who are really, you know, charting a course in an old practice, but in a new, totally new arena. Yes. Also engaging with a younger generation to document them and to be aware of what's going on. I think it's great.
1: Yes, they, that's the fun part is that they're, they're giving us a different perspective on agriculture. Um, You know, a lot of times we, we have such bad memories being on the land uh, that this group, this 21st century uh, group of farmers are showing us that Things are completely different now, and where Black Farmers Network comes in, we we connect them um, to the digital economy. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that, and that's something that I'm I'm excited. I know there's so many avenues that you'll be exploring, you know, as a host on the Atlanta Foodcast through the people that you talk to and just the perspective that you bring. But one thing I know that our our farmer service <laughs> at George Organics has talked about is is really you know how do we both expose and hold account? You know the the really tragic history of Georgia agriculture. also, and like I said, holding account to you know the the organizations that be whether it was the state or USDA or whatnot, but also charting forward the progress and the pioneering and the 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 like just very hopeful work that farmers like SAD and Dontevius and, and, you know, the, the, the folks that you're featuring on Black Farmers Network are it, right? Like they're young or old, the ones that are doing the work that's going to make Georgia thrive.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's been my editorial life story. I'm a, a community watchdog, you know, mm. I'm, am supposed to hold people accountable. So the best way I can do that with the black farmers is have them tell their stories. And yes. some of them have been discriminated against. Some mm-hmm. of them have never experienced that. Um, but we're telling their stories and by telling their stories, we're holding um, the system. Uh, we're, we're holding everyone accountable um, because we're letting them be as raw as possible with the storytelling. We're not sugar cone anything and um, we've ended up getting some beautiful results from it and uh, so much social feedback. So many people did not know that these farmers were going through certain situations on the land and now they have such big support systems to help them continue on their journey. Well, I
0: mean, that's why you're good at what you do. I mean, that, that is the role of the journalist is to to shed light in, on the things that are happening so that, you know, in order to hold account to the powers that be. And so, you know, ideally, organizations like Georgia Organics and individuals can then become advocates for these farmers and, and advocate for a more equitable system. in agriculture. So it's crucial.
1: Absolutely
0: there's so much we can talk about there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, so much. So the next thing though that I want to talk to that's a, a really cool element of your work is the branding work that you do with farmers. I know, you know, through your, through your journalism, you're, you're painting a picture of these farmers. You're taking them from just being kind of a concept that maybe, you know, city dwellers in Atlanta have a concept of a farmer in rural Georgia, but you are you're giving them life and personality. And I know something that we've spoken at length about is, is how farmers often are so busy that sometimes marketing themselves and branding themselves as small business owners, as farmers, as, you know, people who love and know the land, you know, that's a, a function of your business and, and how to do that, how to do the branding and the marketing. So. Talk a little bit about that because you do such a good job of explaining this and making it something. Yes, it's another deliverable in their day that they need to work on, but it's something that that I think would give anyone a firmer sense of who they are.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, it's crucial to their agribusinesses. So I collaborate with uh, my partner. Her name is Tanya Wright with Wright Touch yes. Designs. She's an incredible. Creative director, and you know, we we met a few years ago, and really kind of studied and practiced what marketing um, and branding looks like, and through Black Farmers Network, what does it look like for um, Black farmers of the Black Belt region who are not tech savvy all the time, who don't have time to to get online. Um, The one thing I've always want the farmers to to understand when they do come online is that it's a lot of social platforms out there. And through Black Farmers Network, we help them identify what works best for their agribusiness. How can they reach um, the customers um, through, through the internet? And so it's challenging, but I always tell them, whatever you do, stay consistent. Um, you want to give a consistent experience. So whether I'm I'm on your Instagram or I go to your website, when I te- step foot onto uh, your farm, I want to see that consistency. I want it to be familiar. And so we have a lot of those conversations. We share a lot of examples. And it's, it's baby steps because... Uh, it's so many you know, new media platforms out there for them to explore. Uh, but it's a process we, we have to go through because in order for them to get their value-added product out there to the people, they have to be online and it needs to be consistent branding. And it's, not, and it's more than the logo. It's gotta be the, the colors, the feel, uh, the, the site, the social media all of these things, even though the the way you present yourself, uh, your signage, (laughs) it's just so much to it. But we we try to take them through the steps so they understand um, what it's going to take for them to compete online. Yeah.
0: And, you know, something within that is it's really to just a platform for them to get their voice, like their personality and their voice for people to know them. I know for myself personally, that is all the difference between my, you know, going to a grocery store or, you know, rerouting my schedule so that I can go to the farmer's market and see see a farmer that I saw on Instagram posting about how excited they were about yes. the, I don't know, kale looks this week or something like that. You want to have that experience, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, I'm so excited for you to have more conversations with that. I know in the conversations I've had with farmers in the Georgia organics community, there's so many questions there. And a lot of it has to do with something I know that you're, you're well-versed in talking about is just how to make that a sustainable thing within their day, you know, and too, like you're saying, like some of these farmers, they don't necessarily have easy access to Wi-Fi all the time. And, and, you know, there's so many constraints in their day. That's just dictated by how hard they work, um, you know. How do you make branding and marketing, yeah, a sustainable part of your of your daily flow as a business owner?
1: Right. Yeah. And the, and that's what Black Farmers Network um, is achieving right now is yeah. telling their story and then how do we take your agribusiness uh, to the next level um, in a way too that. Once we get you started, it's easier for you to maintain it. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. The the consistency there, I think, is is key, like you're saying.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, you're gonna start up pretty soon with with hosting segments here. Excited. I'm so excited. Oh Can't wait because I know you're gonna have so many great people on here. I mean, if, if looking at your stories for Black Farmers Network is any indication in your work with Dr. Womack, folks better buckle up, because it's gonna be good. <laughs> so tell us, I'm trying to insert like a rodeo um, pun, but I don't have <laughs> any rodeo. Paddle <Battle> up. Paddle <laughs> up. Um, Candace, tell us some of the folks that you're excited to, to talk to on here, hope to.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I have to bring my mentor on. Uh, Dr. Womack is a big reason why I got into this work. I was, you know, like I said, concentrated in Atlanta working with magazines. And then I came back to um, rural Georgia to do some work. But I really um, got to this point where I'm like, you know what, this is my life story. This is what I want to do. I want to be able to help the Black farmers of the Black Belt region, the very place I came from. So Dr. Womack was a big reason that I kind of turned in this direction with my writing. Mm -hmm. And so I want to definitely interview her um, because she, you know, she's been um, focused on the Black Belt region for over 20 years now, and that story isn't going anywhere, and it yeah. needs to continue to be heard. And so, um, with with her, I'm also excited. Again, said said has such an remarkable uh, story that we we have to talk about it. And I really want him to talk about um, what the marketing and branding has done for him right now. Um, and like I said, coming from uh, community journalism, I'm all about the underdog. I wanna share other farmers who are, are approaching agriculture in these unconventional ways, and they're not giving up. They're figuring out how to sustain their agribusinesses and yeah. land for the next generation. So just really excited about those underdog stories.
0: So great. And yeah, Dr. Womack, I mean, um, we were just talking about. I've got her her book here, Abandonment in Dixie, which I'm so excited to tear into. I kind of yes. browse through it, and it is just so rich in talking yeah. about, you know, Georgia and beyond, but the history of of black farmers and and you know the the brilliance there, and also the the challenges and mm-hmm. how it has shaped this region. I'm, right. I, I mean, she is and. Tell, tell me once again, what is her role with Georgia College and State?
1: So she is the brand new and the first executive director of the Rural Studies Institute wow, at Georgia yeah. College. So where with Black Farmers Network, we focus strictly on the Black farmer of the Black Belt region. The Rural Studies Institute looks at rural America. It's sure. more yeah. on the national level with rural communities and their struggles and what can we do to, um, uh, to, you know, help with the challenges that every rural community in America is dealing with. So that's uh, what she does on campus. And then we have Black Farmers Network, um, which is like her bliss work.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what powerful bliss work it is. I think it's, amazing to see this work happening and that that you know she is in that position to be to be really closely studying and, and understanding the implications of rural America and and particularly the role of agriculture in rural America. I think yes. you know over the past four to six you know very tumultuous years politically, I think that, one one positive has been that people's eyes are truly opened to rural americans and and that they don't have enough share of voice and and that's crucial and and that's I think what some of the work of of you and dr womack is is really shedding light on
1: yeah and i I think I get excited because You know, sometimes you'll run into um, sources who are sometimes afraid to tell their story. But we're in this space now where I have so many Black farmers Um, who are open to sharing their experiences. And I love that because when you think about agriculture, um, when you think about our history on the land, um, it's a a conversation piece a lot of people do not want to talk about, but these farmers have been so open about their experiences because they want to do well and they want to see other farmers in their situation do well as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well... Like I said, there is so much that we could keep on talking about I want you know save some of the good stuff for for your segments for you to talk about with with guests that you'll be speaking with but to kind of close this out, how can folks find your work and engage with you? I know both with Black Farmers Network and getting involved there and also just some of your more personal work and branding consultations and oh my gosh the just the wealth of <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah, so my site is Southern Styles and Steeds, and it's just uh, a platform where I share my community, my culture, my fashion, just yes. growing up in rural Georgia. So that's a really cool uh, introduction into uh, my agricultural uh, background. And if you don't go there, definitely visit Black Farmers Network, because that's where you'll see a more serious tone Um Of my work and what I'm doing with the black farmers now but yeah that's definitely and I'm on Instagram as well southern styles and steeds check me out um I love any and everything rodeo and rule I love it
0: I'm definitely gonna I'll put all the links in the show notes I mean y'all I wish you could see Candace now I mean she as you as you yourself said earlier, like you just you if you're gonna show up, you're gonna show out. Like wow, that's right. <laughs> always like even if it's even though this is Zoom, like you're here and you are, you know, there's no one better to be talking about brand and personality and authenticity, because like that's Candice in a nutshell.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be a host and to share these stories.
0: Good. Me too. Well Man, we'll leave we'll leave you with that, folks, and get excited. You'll um, we'll be hearing in the next couple weeks from Candace And thank you for being here, for, for joining the host team.
1: Thank you all so much. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Next, I spoke to Kiana Upton about her work through her platform, Nourish in Black, and the forthcoming physical space, Nourish Botanica, a greenhouse and plant-based eatery. Kiana's work exists at the intersection of movements for racial justice, healing and wellness, activism, food justice, environmentalism. We spoke about how her career, her creativity, and her spiritual journey have guided her as an entrepreneur in community food. She also shares some of the valuable lessons she's learned along the way, and what this month, Black History Month, means to her. Well, I'm here with Kiana Upton, who I'm very excited to to finally be connecting with. Um, Kiana is the founder of Nourish in Black, and she's also the founder of the forthcoming Nourish Botanica.
2: Hi, Kiana. Hi, I'm so happy <laughs> to be here with you, Mary. <laughs> I'm
0: very excited myself. Um, well, listen, give us a quick introduction. We've got like a lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm pretty excited. Um, there's so much that you were involved in and, and progress that you're that you're in the midst of, but but first just tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, well, uh, my name is Kiana Upton. I am originally from the Virgin Islands by way of the projects in South Florida, which is a food insecure community. So I went to college at, um, in Florida for advertising, found my way to Atlanta, um, and I began to work in retail, experimental sales management, experimental meaning art, experimental art, then art with retail. Um, and through that, I got this opportunity to uh, get this space, this space on Auburn Avenue. And because of my background, you know, living in a food insecure neighborhood, um, I wanted to start doing events and conversations um, with, with people who are working um, you know, in that, that, that form of justice. So I did, I, I started doing dinners um, under my brand that was called Chop It Up ATL at the time. Last year I changed it, the name of the brand to Nourish in Black. And then I uh, began to fundraise to open a physical space to continue to do those dinners and more. Um, for an upcoming space called Nourish Botanica. <laughs> That's a quick, the quick synaptist. <laughs> that
0: was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, it's funny. I, I know, I remember seeing, you know, Chop It Up, ATL and then really just within the past year, watching your progress on Nourish and Black and Nourish Botanica has been so exciting because it is just like, you know, it's clear that it's been the buildup of a lot of work And then to also be able to track it kind of coming onto the scene from the GoFundMe to this community building and, you know, increasing has been really wonderful. So, you know, what I want to talk about is is how cool it is that Nourish Botanica and what you're building through kind of the platform of Nourish and Black, it's at the intersection of a lot of very powerful movements, Um, and I'd love to hear you, you speak a little bit more to that. You know, right now, I know there's so much in the way of, of racial equity and, and healing mm-hmm. and general wellness that we all need right now as a community, food justice, protecting the environment. I mean, speak to kind of what is that space that, that Nourish in Black and then the physical space of Nourish Botanica will be?
2: It's, it's funny because it was, Um, It was a journey. Um, And all of those themes that you mentioned, it's almost like a journey um, into oneself or back into oneself, physically represented through me leading my business. Um, And then as a leader for my business, looking at how I am serving and, and, and sharing my art and my gifts and my mission with community. Because those, the, the transition, those natural transitions, it's, it's this whole, Nourish Botanica is basically a culmination of eight years of work um, that was preceded by several iterations that seemingly didn't have anything to do with each other. Like how those topics like health and wellness, racism, et cetera, to the naked eye People might not think that they have anything to do with each other, but they do. You know, it's it's it was a a holistic holistic approach. Those those things are representative of like the holistic approach that we have to do to decolonize. You know, um, addressing health and wellness, food justice, um, economic justice, criminal justice reform, etc. So, um, nourish black. It, it started again, like I said, as chopping up ATL. Um, I guess seven years ago and initially it was you know I wanted to have these these dinners and have these conversations and display the art of um my original business which was like again retail art experimental sculptural and um vintage just just kind of unique eclectic pieces Mm -hmm. I wanted to display and and share those um but I wanted to make sure that we were having conversations that were Important and impactful. And I didn't want to lead those conversations because I'm not from Atlanta. And um, I feel like um, a lot of times we all do it. We kind of, especially in Atlanta, Atlanta is a place that just kind of welcomes everyone. Um, I didn't want to just take over the conversation. I wanted to look to and pay homage to organizations that were already doing the work and were already having these conversations amongst themselves in different ways. And when I say amongst themselves, Initially, seven years ago, I wasn't in um, food insecurity or food access work at all. I was just someone that would go to the farmer's markets and go shopping and see and look and Mm -hmm. uh, get to talking to farmers. And um, they didn't have branding. And I would help, you know, um, with their marketing and little stuff like that. And so um, I started the dinners to sort of incorporate, you know, those worlds. And here to introduce my world, the art world to the other side that I felt was similar. Artists being creators, farmers being creators and growers mm-hmm. um, and both being like a creative process that's born you know, from the root chakra. I felt like, you know, let's have these conversations and bring new people to the table. That's what I was good at. And then in January of last year, um, well, I would say December of 2019, I personally went through sort of a, a spiritual awakening. I went home mm-hmm. to the Virgin Islands uh, left some stuff there, including alcohol and drugs. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm sober,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I, I started off last year with this just a renewed mission and a and a vision and um, clarity and commitment to to to, to healing myself um, and to standing with myself as I did that. So I changed the name of Chop It Up ATL to Nourish in Black. To center my blackness um professionally which i've never done and and then from there everything was just like whoosh! oh i get it (laughs) and 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 so i guess you know i I think that answered the question
0: yeah Yeah, you did yes for (laughs) sure for sure Uh, because i and i love you know we were we were chatting a little bit prior to this that was because i'm i'm also just doing a lot of inner work right now and the way you said it just now was, you know, when you centered, you know, this business, this entity that you wanted to build around blackness and and everything that you stand for, right? Like talking to you, it's very clear that you care about, you know, inner well-being and farmers and and you know doing right by the earth and all of that. And it's and and then, you know, where at where kind of I've come in to to witness this is is you're really getting Nourish Botanica sort of off the ground, taking it from a dream to very much a reality. And so I wanna talk about that. Let's talk about sort of setting the stage with Nourish in Black, and then what is what is Nourish Botanica? What, what will it be?
2: Well, so on that journey to healing, I actually had a, I, I, I've always wanted a physical space, always. And initially it was going to be vintage with food. And I had a good friend who had a vintage business and she was like, nope, it's going to go out. She went out of business. She was like, you need to, you know, think about other ways to, you know, to to make money physically besides that. Um, And along the healing journey, I I went to, I sought therapy. I got a shamanic therapist who uh, was based in Puerto Rico. Um, I had always been someone who was spiritual, but this therapist was someone who was able to helped me to connect to and acknowledge my ancestors in a way that involved them in my my healing. And ancestors, not just like blood and bone ancestors, but I didn't acknowledge or think of um, Mother Earth as an ancestor until then. This was last January. Um, and I do, I do now for sure. <laughs> she has shown up. I mean, last year was, everything that went on last year should have shown everyone like, the pandemic, the way the year started with the Australian fires, um, mm-hmm. the fire, the 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 stuff in you know down in the forest, in Brazil,
0: Brazil, yeah.
2: So, it was just like Mother Earth is she's an ancestor. Plants, our spirits, those are our ancestors as well. Um, and you know, going through that process with her, really acknowledging those things, and also, she had me to uh, do a vision board, which I always thought was kind of cheesy. A physical writing out of what I wanted my physical space to be.
0: Yeah. And I printed out the pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean. I thought the same thing, but I find myself doing it. I'm like, Oh, I,
2: this might be, this might work. This might it, was, it worked. It was, <laughs> I didn't just find pictures like, you know, from a magazine. I, I had my Pinterest and she was like, go to your Pinterest and print it out. I went to the East Atlanta Copy Center, printed uh-huh. out my little pictures, stuck them on a board and I saw it. I saw Norse Botanica. I visualized it um, and it began to take shape. Literally uh-huh. the name came into my mind. Um, The ancestors of spirit were like totally leading me. They were leading me. And so that is how it came up with the idea. Now the fundraiser part was, I mean, oh, that's a whole nother thing. I don't know if you want to talk about that yet, but it was it's just amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's yeah, let's let's go into that a little bit. Um, and you know, specifically from the perspective of of yeah, starting this campaign and and engaging the community with it and and sort of, I don't wanna say selling the idea, but getting so many people invested in your idea. Um, yep. Yeah, let's, let's dive right in. I would love to, oh my goodness. Okay, so
2: first of all, I have a, my degrees in advertising and my degrees in marketing. And before I was doing, you know, working, doing Chop It Up ATL, I was doing retail stuff but mostly sales management, some retail, but just sales organizations, management. So I had not really used the advertising aspect of my degree, mm-hmm. but I certainly used the sales aspect. Wow. <laughs> and um, I had the opportunity to work with an organization who wanted to, this is later on, This is so this is maybe 2018 after I had already tr- I transitioned into, I mean, I literally manifested my life. So, you know, around 2014 is when I started trans- transitioning into working like literally with what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, from doing the, those, the dinners with Chop It Up ATL that were highlighting those food justice organizations, the smaller food justice organizations, larger organizations who had access to more resources began to hire me to do that um, for them full-time. And one of them wanted help with a fundraiser this is about two years ago, and I learned a lot in that process. So it was the, my background in advertising,
0: mm-hmm.
2: my background in sales
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, having done a fundraiser before. Yeah. But what the key to it was, um, just, I knew a lot of people.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, yeah. I met a ton of people over these past eight years and both food and art and all this stuff. And I, I, from the, before I even, I mean, I planned the fundraiser for six, maybe like five months. Mm -hmm. Um, I started planning it in February and I launched it in July. Um, and I had a whole strategic plan before I, I, all, every caption was written, all the, all the, the content, as far as assets, like video and photos was already done. Um, I, everything was the ground was laid I, I laid the groundwork out I did a, mm-hmm. a um what do you call it it wasn't like a survey but a focus group I did a mini oh, focus yeah. Group
0: oh yeah oh that's a great I idea
2: the fundraiser with yeah. um some people who I like greatly admire to to get their feedback on it and tweaked it based on that I got some really critical feedback mm-hmm. um from a lot some some people in the community Peter Peter Morick from Slow Food yeah a lot of people um, gave me some feedback before I even launched, and um, the reason why I had to do the GoFundMe was because I didn't have any access to resources. I didn't have a traditional way to access resources. Traditional meaning like going to your family, or your you know your family, and getting some some cash, or yeah. going to a bank, which most businesses try to do. You know, just go to a bank and get a small business loan or or anything like that. I had some of my own savings, but COVID torpedoed that. Yeah, Um, yeah, and just you know, it's I didn't have that much to be honest. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So that I I kicked off the fundraiser in July, July seventeenth. Eighty four days later, I had sixty five (laughs) thousand dollars.
0: It's incredible. Crazy. Incredible. Yes. And you've done such a good job, you know, as as someone who has, you know, donating donated what I could to to be a part of it. Your you know regular updates on progress and honestly too just like you're a very um, honest and transparent person about getting through the process and struggles and also exciting like wins and it's just been a like so exciting to follow the journey through through the updates you've given and I'm so glad you shared that too about parts of your background that that really were crucial to to this being successful. I mean, having an under, whether or not you've studied something, I think in general, just for folks to understand about, you know, a bit about fundraising, which is just totally its own mountain. Like there's so much to understand. I know from, from George Organics, our fundraising director, like it is, you have to have a special skill set and certainly some understand some key parts of fundraising. And like you say, you know, marketing and sales and networking but when those things come together you know real real progress happens it's, so. it's
2: i really i'm glad you noticed that because i think that uh i know for a fact like when you're in those moments right doing something mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily want to do it that's not really i did not want to know dag on sales i didn't want to yeah do that <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to do everything you know and then even when i started working with the farmers and doing events i wasn't doing it full time yeah but i eventually got to those places i i eventually curated that stuff but it took eight years you know yeah, it's a time absolutely I, and i it's important for people to know that nothing gets wasted you know yeah. a moment is wasted everything is i believe in you know destiny and i, I do everyone doesn't and I, I respect that but nothing mm-hmm. is um everything i believe in ordered steps Absolutely. you know and I really believe in that the universe works is working for you not against you um, and when you have that moment, the moment comes when everything comes together is when you believe in yourself, right? Yes. So the, the stuff's there. It's like the pieces are there, but you're like, ah, let me put these together. Boom.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And that's just some of the pieces. Like we are made up. Some of the pieces. Yeah. So stuff. Like there's so many more things that we can, we can all do, but it definitely comes from, you know, believing in yourself and, and being humble. Like it was so freaking humbling. Yes to go yeah. to people and ask for help yeah I was terrified terrified yeah so it was it was like yeah I got it but I also need my community I yeah. need people you know and we need each other and what yeah. is the matter with that
0: nothing no
2: to just really be like you, I felt it within myself and I know that if I could feel it someone else Someone out
0: there. <laughs> Can you yes. hear me? The like the like echo cavern of GoFundMe or whatever. Like, is there anybody out there? Exactly. I mean, I think I think what you're saying is something that from my perspective is very ingrained in like an American, you know, do-it-yourself mindset, which ultimately doesn't always get you very far. Like you need we need our community. We need to ask for help from other people because people want to help. You know, people yeah. want to feel vested in something bigger than themselves, and and then you know when Nourish Botanica becomes a physical space, like everyone's gonna feel a sense of ownership in it. It's it's awesome. Tell us like what will be a a normal day in the in the space of Nourish Botanica. Like I walk in the front door, and what happens next?
2: You walk in. It's we're gonna have um, breakfast service. We're gonna close for midday. Um, And then reopen again in the evening, but you're going to walk in. It's going to be a a cafe, beautiful cafe, lots of plants, but the cafe is going to be in a glass greenhouse. Mm. Um, It'll seat about 45 people inside. There will be a sober bar. Um, All the food is going to be food as medicine. So it'll be Caribbean and Southern plant-based (laughs) offerings. So you're talking like lent curry lentil stuffed plantains um beet Gosh, hummus. That sounds great all the edi- edible flowers <laughs> and juices smoothies teas um and you know lots of different breakfast and brunch offerings lunch lunch and stuff like that and then for dinner that's when i think it's going to be the most beautiful you can walk from the greenhouse the eatery area out to the back patio where we'll have you know the nursery um lots of plants you know mostly hopefully mostly tropical type plants and, and more medicinal type herbs yeah. um, out into the backyard, which will be a green space, not a farm because people keep, keep people keep mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, we're going to have a farm on the property. We're not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah.
2: With three acres, you know, but yeah. I don't want that really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want a nice, beautiful green space, a good chunk of space so that people can lay out um and and vibe out under the stars we're gonna have like twinkling lights and
0: oh my gosh it's gonna be beautiful sounds incredible it just sounds like you know something that is so needed right now you know just health a place to go and have good nourishing things and I'm sure nourishing kind of conversation and connection and yeah. It's amazing. I'm so excited and and I can't wait to just continue to follow your progress. I think it's it's, like I said, it's very uh, energizing to to feel like you're a part of of this building.
2: I'm excited. It's gonna be a place for for a couple of things. It's gonna be a place for one to connect with herself mm-hmm. um, and her friends, not super serious all the time. Yeah, it's chill vibes. It's really important that we receive healing from play um, mm-hmm. and relaxation. And then also there'll be a lot of opportunities for conversation over food, which is what Nourish Black is known for yeah. through uh, private um, events that'll mm-hmm. be you know, focused on that. But uh-huh. I think that the energy and the atmosphere of the space and the food is, is where it's gonna really, um, that's a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. the conversation between your body and that food is is one that's is personal and it's important. So I'm excited yeah. to see. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the energy of people when they walk in and, and, and how they feel when they leave.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, one question that I want to ask it's sort of, you know, a timely question as I know that we're we're almost right in the middle of of Black History Month. And, you know, this feels like a particularly momentous year to be honoring Black History Month. And what I wanna know is what what that means to you. What, is, what does this month mean to you with the work that you're doing? I'd love that you've spoken to kind of your inner work involving honoring your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Just Thank tell me about that,
2: yeah. It, it's funny because this month kicked off with, um, I have been wanting to, I raised, you know a lot of funds so it's not enough I need 200,000 mm-hmm. more dollars mm-hmm. I, I you know <laughs> yeah I do so but it's still so much and yeah. um so I kicked this month off with I, I found that when things start to become overwhelming for me I, I have to take the attention off of myself um mm-hmm. and help others because it feels like a little, I don't know. It's, 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 always worked for me. I don't yeah. want to judge it. I don't want to name it too much, but, um, I kicked this month off with a fundraiser for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, an elder that was in our, that's in the community who was really, really close to losing her at home.
0: Yeah.
2: So I kicked that fundraiser off. I thought it was going to take two weeks, but it took a day for us to raise double the amount that she needed. She needed 30, wow. 3,500 and we raised
0: 6,300.
2: Yeah. So, um, what a theme that is, you know, um, because we're, we're not getting any younger, we're getting older and older and older. And with God's grace, you know, we'll get older and older. And I really, really, really believe in intergenerational healing, meaning like, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of teaching that you can medicine that you can get from a child. And hopefully hopefully you you know that you'll get a lot of medicine from an elder, and we have to take care of them. Um, and that opportunity just fell in my lap because I know I had been seeking it in my mind. like I need I, wanna, I was thinking of giving some of the funds that I raised away. Um, but when I heard her story, a friend of mine brought her story to me, I was like, I think people are gonna want to help her <laughs> on her own. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think black history t- this year for me just it means um, seeing centering others, you know, mm. this month. For me, yeah. that's what it's about. Um, and also um, blooming it's not just about centering others Blooming I also started doing like finally yeah. offering like flower floral arrangements and um, yeah, I it's,
0: saw your Valentine's. It's one. a creative it's... month.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a creative month in many ways but it's also those are served those are both you know customer facing service facing so yeah. again it's still that you know each each one feed each other's sort of energy
0: absolutely wow that's wonderful those are two very good takeaways you know and and too I love I agree and I don't think that we we connect with our elders as much as we could and and you know learn from them and give to them and and everything so that's I noticed that that on your on the GoFundMe Um, it's amazing
2: yeah it was crazy I was like oh well that was fast (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'm That's not going to awesome. complain about it, but I, you know, it was a lot faster than I expected. I had a whole plan. We had videos, pictures, and we didn't need anything. So.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's a testament to, to the network that you've built, I think, the community that you've built online. And that, I didn't,
2: it's, that is the most important piece that I have learned from this whole year. Yeah. How important, how cool it is that we are so, like we magnetized to each other. Like we found yeah. each other these people, these people, like, that are so similar. It took no time. Everyone was like, yep, we want to help. Yeah. That's the kind of person I am. I'm like, who needs $25? Like, you know, not if it strikes your fancy, like, yeah, 20 bucks. If a if hundred of us give 20 bucks. Yeah. So I'm so thankful that, um, oh, I'm just so thankful that I was open with myself this year so that I could mm. find all these people to help more people. Cause I want to help well, nourishing black is going to help a lot a lot more people um yeah. gain access to land um mm-hmm. and not be displaced yeah yeah
0: yeah oh man there's so much <laughs> as i was saying there's so much we can we can continue to talk about and and i'm very excited but you know something we talked about briefly before this is is hopefully having you join us um in a bit of a host capacity here on the food cast you have such a such a valuable voice for for the Atlanta community and beyond, um, and I think your role as a as an entrepreneur and as a kind of wellness leader, I'm just so excited and and look forward to to hearing a lot more from you. Thank you. <laughs>
2: this was great, and I, I, I there's so much more I want to talk about, but yes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, we will, we will revisit, we will return. Um, In the meantime, as we kind of close out any advice that you would have for other, gosh, I almost want to say for anyone, because you are such a wise person, but, but also, you know, for someone who wants to make a difference in the, in the, you know, healing and justice space, in the food space, you know, what are some things that, that are your key learnings maybe from the past year or or your career i just I, I always
2: feel like and i tell this to everyone um it's so important not to beat yourself up
0: mm-hmm.
2: um because i feel like people can, we're so hard on ourselves yeah. we we never feel like it's enough Well oh, what we have to offer is so small so never mind mm-hmm. then no one's going to want that um that's not true start where you are if you whatever you have to offer is, is enough but um, make sure that your cup is full first yeah. too, you know um, it's not like it has to be you don't have to be in some perfect state to be like you don't have to be like this I'm a health guru and I know yoga and things <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you don't have to be that way yeah. start where you are um, make an offering to, to yourself and then to others that's something that I've learned this year too is give people a chance give yourself a chance um mm-hmm. but give people a chance to, 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 to surprise you and be open to those little miracles because
0: yeah
2: it really is a it sounds so corny but it's true it's such a beautiful <laughs> world and there's people are really cool you know so um if you feel like you're one of those people then you know be it and you'll attract
0: it yeah yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I knew you'd have a good answer for that. <laughs> well, well, to wrap us up, tell tell they, people have got to connect with you. Let me just preface that, like, folks have got to follow this journey. It's so exciting. You have such a wonderful way of communicating and and really fostering a sense of excitement and honesty and and wellness. Um, so, how can people find you? They can find me on Instagram
2: at nourish in black so not nourishing with the G, just nourish in black n-o-u-r-i-s-h-i-n black <laughs> perfect. Um, and from there you'll find everything my website yeah. it's on there um the gofundme is on there i think i hope yes <laughs> and i have some flowers for sale you know right now for valentine's day 2020 perfect um but
0: <laughs> it's perfect well Kiana, thank you so much. Um, this was a wonderful conversation. I'm not surprised it was it was inspiring, and yeah, I'm just so grateful for what you're doing and how how you're sharing. You know, you're letting everyone be along for the ride, and and I think we're all learning a lot about our community and the needs of our community. I know your platforms are always 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 a great platform for advocacy. Yeah, um, so thank, thank you, for, you for what you're doing and, and that you're you being this. so authentic.
2: Thank you for reaching out to me and thank you for supporting me. And I'm going to shout you out too, Mary, because you have been such an advocate of me, um, you know, donating and amplifying me. So awesome. I want you to know that that's noticed and I really appreciate you, Georgia Organics.
0: Wonderful. Well, <laughs> we appreciate you and can't wait to see Nourish Botanic come to life. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> That's our show for today. On behalf of Georgia Organics, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Atlanta Foodcast. Be sure you subscribe and stay tuned, because we'll be back in another two weeks. If you want to read more about the Atlanta Foodcast and the guests on our show, visit atlfoodcast.com. To learn more about Georgia Organics and become a member, visit georgiaorganics.org. Thanks for joining us. This is your reminder to eat well and stay local.